Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast. Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast, powered by CFM. I'm Mark Fleming-Williams. In this episode, I speak to Anu Murgai of Spacenow, the provider of satellite data. In our conversation, Anu and I talk through her long history as portfolio manager before she switched to data, the satellite data supply chain, and the various uses of Spacenow's offering. If you have a data set that might be of interest for the podcast, please get in touch. On this episode, I'm joined by Anu Murgai of Spacenow. Welcome, Anu. Thank you, Mark. Happy to be here. Uh, excellent. Um, Anu, why don't we begin by, why don't you just tell me um, very briefly, elevator pitch, what is Spacenow? Spacenow is a satellite data analytics company. We take imagery from providers and turn it into insights for all kinds of customers. Fantastic. Okay. Um, short and snappy. So you have been at Spacenow since May 2020, and you're currently the Vice President of Com- Commercial Solutions. Um, but your background in the investment management industry is, is might I say, it's long and storied. It's, it's, um, it's, you've, you've got a, a, a wealth of, well, excuse the pun, um, of, <laughs> uh, of impressive names on your, on your CV. I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to just well, what if you could just like very briefly kind of track through your your background a little bit and and um, I don't know just just kind of give a flavor of it um, and finish up with the question of how did you first come across the concept of alternative data? Sure. So um, you know, I was very lucky in my career to to have uh, good mentors and sort of be able to to step from one. Uh, one one group to another. So uh, right after business school, I joined JP Morgan on the derivative sales desk. We were called sales trading. And from there, I met the guys at, at Tiger. And I joined Tiger on the trading desk where I was trading macro products uh, for our macro portfolio. This is and 19 the, this is 1998 to 2000. So what was what was dominating that was around the time of the uh, anti-globalization riots and things wasn't it? It was uh, were you all, were you all trading the um the the uh, um uh, Y2K, you know, the 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 possibility that the um you know that the world would collapse when we when we turned over to 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 um midnight on on 1999. So this was 97 98. So this is we're talking about you know the the rise and fall of of dollar yen, mm-hmm. right? This is uh, JGBs and uh, Japanese government bonds and what was going the on. Widow in Japan maker. The widowmaker. Correct. It's called the, the widowmaker trade, the Japanese government bond trade, because everyone has always been betting against Japanese government bonds and has always has always failed as a result. That's right. It's 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 been been around for a long time. And then um, uh, also the Russian default. So mm. here we're right, and and at that time we had long-term capital mm. um, as well. So it was a very very um, interesting time in macro, uh, sure. with a lot of sort of breaks and disruptions in the market, and a lot of um, 
central bank and government policy decisions that were being made that were very uh, instrumental in the markets. Fantastic. Brilliant. Um, rattle me through um, so that we okay. can get onto the space now, but rattle me through your, your, uh, your background until we get to alternative data. Sure. So, you know, uh, trading a trader at Tiger uh, moved on to be an analyst at, um, at uh, uh, J.P. Morgan uh, proprietary desk at uh, Ulysses Management, where I learned a lot from from Josh Nash and Jack Nash. Um, and then f- from there to Shumway Capital, where I was his his sort of macro macro person for Chris at, at, at his at his fund. And from there, I started my own fund. Uh, called Serenia Capital Partners, which I had for for five years. Um, and in, in that fund, it was seeded. We were lucky enough to be seeded by Scott Besant. We were his first seed for his fund of funds uh, group. Mm-hmm. And from then, um, after Serenia, I was at Alphadine for, for a long time, from 2012 to uh, 2018, to the end of 2018, uh, where I was trading a global macro portfolio. At the end and of so 2018. By then, were you using alternative data in your trading or, or is, is alternative data a kind of post-fund management thing for you? So what I noticed while I was in global macro, one is the markets were moving faster than they did before. Hmm. So when you got information in the market, it, it, it was priced in uh faster than it you know than than you might have done say 10 years previously or even five years previously and that there was a huge amount of information that was coming at you that needed to be organized and understood faster than before mm. and what that meant was that the use of technology for trading is much more important in my opinion than it used to be before where you have to use it to simplify and understand what's going on and to be able to catalog and 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 use all this information that comes at you on a daily basis. At the same time, hedge funds have become more institutionalized, which means um, you know the you have a lot of um, uh, buyers of hedge funds that are coming in in and out of hedge funds all the time. So volatility, in returns is not as welcome as it used to be. So what that means for portfolio managers within hedge funds, from my point of view, is um, is that you have to focus in and specialize in particular instruments in order to be really uh, provide returns with all that increased information, with all that increased participation in the market, with a lower uh, volatility base. And that's a different sort of uh, trading world. And in that world, all the data that you can get and all the information that you can catalog and understand is extremely important. And so you saw data as being essentially the future, it sounds like. You saw, look, this is the way the world's moving, um, and so I need to get close to that. I So you moved into into Crux um, in 2019 uh, after Alphadine. Was it a desire to move into kind of into product, into the kind of, you know, into the source a little bit more? Was Were you were you bored of investment management and, or, you know, was there a lifestyle change? What was, what was, was there something else driving you or were you just wanting a change? It was time for me to move on. I had uh, um, worked in uh, investment management for a long time. Um, 
I was interested and excited by by this this um, you know the data stuff. At that point, I I thought of it as data stuff. I didn't hadn't really pulled it apart mm-hmm. and understood it to the same extent I can today. And Crux was a great opportunity. Um, I was hired into Crux by Elizabeth Pritchard, mm. and um, um, and it was exciting to to jump into something that seemed to be at the edge of of sort of big data technology at the time. Mm. Yeah, I know. And what better way to understand data than than um, join the people who are going to be shifting it around from A to B? Um, Crux That's I've right. had on the podcast before, so if people want to hear that, then they can go back and, and listen to that episode. Um, but so you're, you join Spaceno in May 2020. Um, what's your role at Spaceno? So at Spaceno, I run product and go-to-market for our commercial solutions, which is um, effectively anything that's not global defense and intelligence. And then I do focus on U.S. government sector as well. But basically, I run product and, and go-to-market for for uh, creating and selling commercial uh, commercial solutions. So what does that mean? Um, you know, obviously satellite data has been around for a long time, but the re- what we call the revisit rates and the availability of data at a high frequency has only started to happen now. And in fact, it's going to increase at an exponential pace. It's going to increase at an exponential pace because people are uh, throwing up smaller and smaller satellites. So it's getting it's getting there's much more up there and it requires less money to get it up into orbit. And so the amount of cameras focused down towards us is increasing. Is that right? That is right. The ability to get them into into space is is easier as well. And the funding for for, uh, you know, satellite companies has also increased. Can you um, get your arms around easily exactly what makes Space Nose imagery, you know, what, like, can you characterize Space Nose imagery? So we actually don't own the satellites. We bring in satellite imagery from other providers and then turn them into insights. So let me give you an example. Let's assume that you are very interested in what's going on in China today. You want to understand how the airports are functioning. You want to understand what's going on at the ports. You want to know what's happening in the construction industry, in the manufacturing industry, in steel refineries, in retail. What we do is we create um, uh, our, we have an in-house data team that finds all the locations, for example, for cement in the country, and we track them and we track the activity in them on a near daily basis. Then we put all of that activity together and create an index. And that index effectively allows you to understand what's happening in cement production. And to to take, to, to, sorry, but to go to the, let's, let's maybe, so we've, we've talked about the customer um, and what the customer might want. Let's just zoom to the other end, which is that we have, a, a large number of commercial satellites and and state satellites, but commercial satellites which are up, orbiting us at all at all times, owned by either the state or presumably relatively large companies in order to to, to be able to be putting satellites up there, um, and they are um, making their pictures available. And there uh, are they is is there some kind of um, 
market, like a like a place where you can go, and all the satellite providers will be will be putting, and they'll have different prices in the in this market. How 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 would a company like Spacenow want to be? Um, how would they be getting hold of this imagery? Right. So for a a a regular consumer, you can go find single images on a lot of different platforms now from a variety of providers. For somebody like us who, who is trying to buy imagery at scale, we have direct relationships with many uh, different providers. Our direct relationships are very strong. We, we have um, agreements that have clear licensing. We have um, a, a strong integration with the provider that allows us to pull the imagery at scale. We can, in many cases, check their archive and 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 pick imagery. And often we collaborate with the provider as well to build um, layers of algorithms on the imagery to allow them to pull new insights for their customers and our customers. So effectively, if you think of it this way, Spacenow um, uh, has pipes in to most of the providers that uh, uh, produce imagery at scale. With those pipes, we're able to, on a daily basis, bring in imagery into our systems, run our algorithms on them, our computer vision algorithms on them, and create this data, whether it's custom or in data set form, for our end customer. Fantastic. Would you say is it a bit of an oligarchy? The um, the is there kind of? Uh, oh, sorry, I might be. Maybe I should be saying oligopoly. Um, are there kind of four or five large companies? As I said, like you need to be um, a certain size to be able to do this. So, are there are there a few familiar names that are providing this this imagery at scale for you to build relationships with, or is there a long tail? So let's first start with uh, the free imagery. So what's really interesting about the satellite market is the European Space Agency and in the US as well, Landsat, uh, uh, provide imagery with very deep coverage at nice uh, revisit rates, revisit rate being the frequency with which a single location is visited by mm -hmm. a satellite um, you know, at, at, at scale. And that is a great use for uh, for for um, providers like us because a lot of those revisits are very consistent and they allow us to do it. They give us a lot of flexibility to work with that data. Other than that, you have the commercial satellite providers where you pay for the imagery. And as you said, there are some currently some big players in this market. On the optical side, you've got uh, obviously Maxar, Planet. Satellogic, Black Sky, and many others that are coming on the market. And then on the synthetic aperture radar side, you have ISI, Cosmos SkyMed, uh, Capella, and other such, such large ones. However, there are a lot of smaller companies coming up that have not yet put their satellites up or have put one or two up into the air. And, it's, it's, and, and they have different types of satellites. Um, you have the, now have the ability to track emissions. You have the potential to track thermal. You have a variety of different types of satellites with different types of sensors that are coming on that will really allow us to grab information in a way perhaps that we weren't able to do before. And that's the nice thing in your position, being a kind of data specialist um, team, 
is that you can be quite flexible with that. You're you're not you don't have the sunk costs of you've you've put up an optical satellite in the in the into space and suddenly everyone wants the to just you know to be to be measuring gases. Um, you can you can go and buy the data on gases if that's what people want. So so that's a that's a nice nice flexible position for you to be in. Um, and so we have so um, Space Noah is essentially a team of kind of satellite data specialists. Um, and so a customer comes and says, as you to use your example, we would like to understand what's going on in the Chinese cement industry at the moment. As you said, you will go and find out where the major cement production facilities are in in China. You'll get their geo coordinates. You'll then go to the data markets that we've which we've discussed and find the most effective uh, way of of getting data about those about those sites. Then you will receive. Um, and if we we're probably just talking about the optical side here, I suspect, just in this example. But then you'll receive. Um, regular updates of photos of those sites, um, and then how how would you turn that into numbers, which can be used by an by let's say the customer's an investor? Sure. So effectively, let's assume I have a hundred sites. For each of those hundred sites, I'm receiving imagery whenever the satellite has gone over and taken the image. I've then run it through with my computer vision algorithms to effectively turn that the activity that we're seeing on that site into numbers. So what kind of activity? Let's assume they've got a pile of uh, output. It's, it's uh, um, and we are measuring the change in the pile. Let's assume that they have a certain number of um, uh, vehicles that they use for actually producing the pile. We might measure the rate of change there. We might measure what the activity is. We might measure the loading docks. There's a variety of ways to capture what production activity is and to be able to turn it and quantify it into numbers based on movement or storage of either input or output material. And SpaceNode is making those decisions. We make those decisions because we have a very strong in-house data team, a very strong in-house computer vision um, algorithm team and we use um, our own research to recognize, using benchmarking to recognize where we should be looking at and how we should be tracking that activity. Okay. Um, and so then you will, so what will the data look like once you have transformed it? So once we've transformed it, you effectively receive a time series. You receive a time series uh, of the aggregated locations on a daily basis. And in this case, the time series can be um, looked at relative to cement production. And you, we'll, whereas you get cement production numbers uh, from the benchmarking agency, perhaps two months later, we're giving them to you on a daily basis with about a three to four day lag. You know, we have breakdowns by a variety of locations, for example, uh, let's give you a very specific example. We have a Russian cement index. The Russians have stopped providing cement data um, uh, late last year. And our uh, data set benchmarks to that data all the way until about late last year. And now we have an index where you can actually see what's going on, even though the statistical agency is not providing you that data. 
and the decisions you'll have made as to what to focus on in terms of you know perhaps activity or number of vehicles or all of those things um will you be making those decisions based on previous cement production data um in terms of will you be training your model um using uh, the the his, historical figures that you have so that when you get the new data in then then you know what to focus on so uh, w- one thing that we try to do is um our goal is to give you very deep coverage of sectors now we're talking just about the data sets deep coverage of sectors to uh, uh build out uh that data set and then to benchmark it. So we're not trying to fit the data to the benchmark. We're building the data set and then we're checking if it, it matches the benchmark. In this sense, we're really trying to be true to the concept of providing you data that we think gives you a true view of what's going on. We're not fitting it to, to any, any data per se. The okay. benchmarking is just done to tell whether the quality of what we've done is high, whether we've covered all the locations, whether we've covered all the activity. Okay, brilliant. So we've been very cement focused so far. Um, can <laughs> we can we talk a little bit about um, the scope or the types of types of um, things that you can discover and and can focus on, and the types of the the some of the breadth of the projects that you can cover? Absolutely. So this is where this is extremely exciting. Think of all the things one can do in the world by looking and understanding physical activity and how important it could be for a variety of types of customers. So let me give you an example where oil spills. We can capture data on oil spills. We can tell you when the oil spill happened and potentially which ship caused it. And that's useful for a certain kind of customer. We can tell you um, if you are managing warehouses, what your warehouse utilization looks like, or perhaps what your competitor's warehouse utilization looks like by looking at the count of of vehicles in those warehouses. Speaking speaking as we are on the 29th of September, um, one of the big things in the news at the moment is the Nord Stream gas pipeline, which has just sprung a leak um, in the Baltic Sea. I don't know if you've been following that, but I wonder, do you think that the, cause there's a photo which is going around an awful lot of a patch of looks like bubbles coming up in the sea. Um, do you think that was spotted by satellite? Does that, you know, um, does that, does that, do you think that would be the way that that would have been discovered? So actually in, in an instance like that, we, we certainly have been looking at it. Uh, you're a, a planet. Uh, captured an image of the 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 explosion at the time it happened, so you're able to localize the explosion, and then there are a variety of different ways where you can track uh, potentially um, uh, you know uh, vehicle movements or sh- vessel movements in that area to give you a better sense of what's going on. So you can track vessel movements, uh, whether by uh, just via the satellite imagery or via AIS um, to, to see, you know, what, what's been going on prior to the event. So that example, sorry. And certainly that's something that, uh, that we've been looking at. 
So that example, probably like an oil spill, would be very um, tailored of the moment. You wouldn't be you wouldn't be selling this as a product, and it it would be a kind of look. This event has happened, and we want to track it specifically for this number of days or weeks. So you would, or or even we'd like to look back um, at you know the footage of when it happened um, a few days or a week ago, type thing. So so you can work on that kind of cadence as well, rather than. You know the cement we were talking about is a is a, a presumably is an ongoing. You know this is this is what cement looks like this summer, and then this is what it looks like. You know in the in the autumn, and, and on we go type thing. That's right. So we can do uh, we uh, our framework is flexible. We can set it up for doing custom analyses based on specific events, and we can set up long term persistent monitoring data sets, or we can set up project based. Um, uh, more complex interpretations that draw in a lot of different algorithms and a variety of different satellite sources. Our uh, framework is set up for all of those. Fantastic. Um, I suspect there's more scope that you can uh, you can talk around. That's right. So, you know, I mentioned oil spills. As you pointed out, we can do vessel tracking um, uh, using both uh, satellite and um, AIS. We can do competitive intelligence analysis Right. Then let's talk about institutions that are government based. What sorts of things can we we do for them? Obviously, we can track uh, urban monitoring, what's going on in changes in the urban environment. We can track uh, municipal changes in building permits. So you've got a variety of uh, plots of land. You people have uh, uh, asked for building permits. You can check via satellite whether the construction that's going on matches the building permits. We do pipeline right away. So you've got a pipeline or a, uh, a utility uh, wires running through a neighborhood. You know, is the, the right of way been disturbed either by trees or by construction, you know, or by changes in the land? That's a, a very large use of, of satellite imagery and services of our kind. Um, environmentally, uh, um, you know, in, uh, locations that had environmental problems before and now are being managed in order to reduce those environmental problems, being able to look at them and see if there are any changes in those locations and whether the locations are being well managed by the, by the current administrator. That's another sort of um, a use case for what we do. And let okay. me now finally go on. One more. I know I'm throwing a, a lot here. <laughs> go on. No, no, no. I asked for it. Um, climate, mm -hmm. right? Anything to do with climate change or ESG for nature based solutions, satellite is the way to go. If you are trying to understand, where uh, what carbon sequestration is in a current forested area, or what sort of um, and what sort of changes there are, satellite imagery and analysis of satellite imagery can get you those answers, and that can be done at scale. Brilliant. Um, coming to the specific, so coming to the investment use case and the kind of investor customers. Um, do you find that there is, and probably particularly hedge funds, I would think, um, do you find that there is more interest in your data from uh, perhaps the quant side or the fundamental side or both? 
So interestingly enough, the interest that we're getting from sort of the investor community is from both sides. It's not, uh, you know, both sides are looking at it. The quantitative sides are looking at the data at scale and the investor, single investors are looking at single company or single country indices in greater detail. Would you say that macro is your most obvious use case or do you find ticker level can be can be done? Will you tickerize your data or is that something that a, that a buyer would have to do? So we've all, we've uh, re- you know, if you step back and look at when we started doing this, we started building these data sets out in sort of um, August of 2020 and released them effectively in 2021. And our initial sets of data sets were around countries. But we recently started to put together data sets for companies, and those are so far very well received. Mm. Um, Our goal is to focus on companies where we think we really can give you an edge with satellite data. And so we're we're sort of moving down the the road of, of different sectors at a pretty steady fashion. But the ones that we've done, we've seen a lot of interest in. So what kind of examples would we have? So let's start with uh, logistics centers. Um, So we've taken all of the distribution centers that Amazon has and created a data set for activity. We've done the same thing with Walmart, the same thing with FedEx. And we're doing this across um, all of Europe for a variety of different large retailers and distribution companies. And obviously, we've done some of this in Asia as well. So what that tells you effectively is the rate of change of activity at these distribution centers, which gives you a sense of their own buying patterns as they try to step ahead of what their customers need. It also gives you a sense of the efficiency of their distribution centers and whether inventory is being gathered. We're breaking a lot of this data down by types of industry, everything from, you know, grocery chains to home improvement stores to really give our customers an insight, uh, not only uh, overall, but by sector and by company. Are you happy to, um, so uh, are you able to talk about what you're working on in terms of what what you see as being the kind of cutting edge and and the next one along the line in terms of what's possible? Um, maybe perhaps in, in, in general terms, um, you know, our, our, what we've found is as we deepen this framework, that there's a variety of places that we can go. The key to make sure is whatever activity that you're tracking really does track back to the KPI that you're looking for. And so a lot of our work, when we're thinking about companies or countries or sectors, is based around that. We'll test a single sector or a single company. We'll look at it from the benchmarks once we've built it. And if we find that it has the quality we want, we then move on and cover all of the companies in that sector. The other sort of thing that we've started to do is bring in more algorithms to provide a greater variety of information. So for example, we can sweep a large area and find you all of the oil tanks, all of the wood piles, all of the iron piles, all of the containers, and, and identify them and identify clusters of them. What this allows us to do is to be able to identify locations. 
in a very um, large scale automated fashion. And that's extremely useful. So we're, we're sort of pushing the boundaries in, in three different directions. One is coverage of locations where we're covering, you know, our goal is to cover uh, as many locations as possible for our customers in order to build these data sets. And then once we have the locations, obviously we can slice and dice and create data um, easily. The second is to push the envelope on the types of algorithms we have in order to increase the diversity of information we can get uh, from satellites. And the third is to re really create scalability on how the aggregations are done and to, to, um, to, to make sure that the aggregations are true to the principles of, of transparency um, and, and you know, how satellites work. Fantastic. Um, your VP of go-to-market at Spacenow, um, which uh, customer, which type of customer are you most excited about at the moment? Where do you see the most potential for growth in terms of interest in the Spacenow product? And you mean on the financial side, right? Because we no, have several. In, in general, no. I'm in, I'm intrigued in general. Uh, whatever or the whole space that you cover, where are you? Where are you focusing your your energies at the moment in terms of look? These guys are going to be are you know they're the ones who who we should be taking this to in the big way because that's where we have the most potential growth. So to me, the most exciting customer is the one that will use our data in their day to day processes. For, uh, for either building a product or understanding a product. And those tend to be our uh, corporate customers, our large institutional customers, and customers that are, want to understand um, what's happening in a country or a company at a very deep level for, uh, for say, strategic reasons or competitive reasons. And those are the customers that I find are the most interesting. What they try to do is they understand what we do, they understand it's, it's innovative, they know that what we build today and what we build tomorrow could be, could be different, but they want to use it because they understand that it'll immediately improve either their earnings or their understanding of their own product or their competitor in a very deep way. And those are the customers that we really, um, of, of find are very uh, use interesting and 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 useful for us. Fantastic, um, Anu. One more question from me um, is: uh, Now that you know everything you know about what Spaceno can do, um, are you itching to get back into being a portfolio manager so that you can use it and have that kind of edge in the market? Is this is this? Uh, <laughs> Are you desperate to get back in it and start and start making use of this new knowledge? Mark, I am so busy. Um, it is uh, space. Snow is not just a, a, a full time job, but it's a double full time job. And so and, and the technology is so exciting. And what we're doing is is so exciting um, that currently I'm, I'm completely focused on it. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, Anu, thank you very much um, for coming to talk to talk about Space Note today. Been really interesting and, um, and best of luck with it. Thank you so much, Mark, for inviting me.